All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 227. The Clippers finished the season sweep on the Lakers last night. You know we're going to break down that game. The jaw dropper and the Memphis Grizzlies are thriving. The honeymoon in Philly, Embiid and Harden is working. And Drew's final thought is about an icon of basketball. You're not going to want to miss this. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 227. Now, listen, Drew, 227 has some meaning to me. Is that a TV show? Yes, and I want to bring this up. So it brought me back memories last night when I was writing down a couple notes that I had. And I said, oh, 227, that was like my favorite show growing up. (laughs) I said, the the great Hal Williams, who played Lester Jenkins, right? One of my first crushes was brenda on 227 who did brenda end up being the great regina king that's who brenda was and uh isn't that crazy and it was funny so i even went to youtube last night i'm like man i gotta see me some 227 it's been a long time (laughs) i popped in uh series one with or season one and it was the pilot and it opens this is 1985 y'all i'm giving my age as we speak i mean i was watching reruns i wasn't watching 227 at you know two years old but you get what i'm saying And I pop in episode one and it opens with Brenda greasing up her skates. And she said, mom, can I go skating with Calvin today? And I'm just like, oh, shit, this is we're going way back right now. This is when people like actually loved skating. And then fun fact about how Williams, who played Lester, the dad, my first Clipper game ever that I ever went to. This was the first celebrity I ever saw. He was a season ticket holder. And I remember turning to my friend Ryan Pappas. I'm like. Yo, that's the dad on 227. The first celebrity I ever met. So there's my fun fun. fact about 227. Dude, my only reference point for 227 is from the movie Pineapple Express. Did they bring up 227? Yeah, James Franco, the drug dealer's character, is watching 227 in the house. He's got it on on the crib. He's got like the full set DVDs. And Seth Rogen is uh is is trying to you know have a little transaction there and he goes yeah no no I, you know I'm, i gotta go but i'll come back later i will hang out and we'll watch 227 it'll be great <laughs> yes it was awesome throwback so shout out to anybody that ever used to watch that show uh all right basketball talk so drew there are three things in this world that i love three Uh-oh. Uh-huh. one of them is basketball obviously the second one is the los angeles clippers i love them the third is the taste the sweet, salty taste of Laker tears upon my lips. We are recording this on Friday. You and I got to watch the Clipper game last night. We went to go see our our now famous friend, Jeff Crompton. He's famous because we talk about him on every one of our shows now. Yeah. We, we He's went also to, appeared on the, on the podcast. He has been on our show. The first civilian to ever been on our show. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we went to his lovely restaurant, Flights and Irons, in San Clemente, California. If you're ever in San Clemente, you should go check it out. We, we Drew had a flight of delicious beers. I had a flight. I'm back to Keto Clips now, so I had to have my flight of tasty red wines. I had some Pinot Noir. I had a nice Cabernet Sauvignon, also a nice Merlot for me. It was a, it was a wonderful meal. But then we came back to the Clips Castle to watch this game. Now, you and I had a discussion at dinner. I said, look, 
it's time for the Lakers to win a fucking basketball game. And if they're not upset yet about the way we've literally just dismantled this team every time <laughs> we've played them this season, I thought last night was going to be the time for these guys to su- suck it up and win a ball game. And you weren't feeling the same way going into this game. No, no. I Why would I? We, I have no faith that this Lakers team was going to be like, oh, this is the turning point. This is it right here. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I thought there was a chance that we would play better than we ended up playing and that it would be a close game, kind of like how the last one was between the Clippers and Lakers. Um, but that was kind of where my hopes ended. I didn't have any grand visions of LeBron and Westbrook looking miraculously like the, the duo that we all hoped and dreamed they could. You know, my, my, uh, my intuition was correct, uh, unfortunately for Lakers fans. Well, I think we had a two-point game. Lakers up two going into the half, and then you no, and I, Clippers were up by three. 66, Clippers up 63. three. Yes. That's what it was. I thought it was sixty-four, sixty-two. Lakers. So no. uh, we get our halftime. We we had some more wine at the crib. Uh, Drew was already working on his exit. He's like, "I'm leaving third quarter." I said, "Nah, bro, <laughs> yep. you're staying for this shit. If you're at the crib, and Drew does have a nice, you know, forty minute drive to get back down to San Diego, so I understand." It was that third quarter where <laughs> you, you and I are having a conversation too, and Drew just kept chiming in like, "Yo, we haven't scored in four minutes. Yo, it's been uh, <laughs> they've scored two points in in ten minutes." And what I don't like is after the game and then on uh, the talking heads this morning, what I got to listen to, everybody's just talking about how bad the Lakers are. Right. But I would rather talk about like how good this Clipper team is playing. Like, look, if you're a Clipper fan and and Reggie is unbelievable. Reggie had 36 last night, big buckets at big times, right? Luke had another really good game. Rocco came through. Uh, we, We had a long discussion about Rocco, which maybe we can talk a little bit more about that going forward. But look, 4-0 4-0 this season, the season sweep on the Lakers. Ty Lue is now 7-0 against the Lakers. And I'm just happy. Like, if this is the shining spot, the shining time for me as a Clipper fan this season, you know, giving, not having Paul George or Kawhi possibly going into the playoffs, if, if sweeping the Lakers this season is our high, then I'm cool with that because it makes me extremely happy. And, of course, whenever I post anything on our page or my personal page, it all goes back to, yeah, but you don't have any banners, blah, blah, blah. I get it, dude. I get it. I've said this so many freaking times. But – can we just talk about how good the Clippers play? And LeBron even said after the game, first, first of all, let me backtrack. The saltiness of Russell Westbrook, on Re- when Reggie gave him that shake, whatever the, yep. the karate kick shake, shook his ass out of his boots, and then he tries to trip him, mm-hmm. which everybody wants to talk about Patrick Beverly being so dirty and like going for the legs. Russell, you tried to trip him, dog, because you got burnt. <laughs> yeah. And then I was reading lips after that, uh, Russell, and he's like, uh, Russ just kept saying, you all right, fam? Like, you all right, fam? Like, and Reggie wasn't even paying him any attention because then he tried to swipe the ball out of Reggie's hand. I'm like, dude, this dude is so salty, right? Yep. And you can tell on his face. And then in the post game, LeBron kept it real sweet because he said, you know, well, why would you guys lose the game tonight? And LeBron's like, Clippers are a better team. Just a, he's, he's gone. It's, it's fact. We play as a better team. A better, we may not have the best talent in the world, but these guys play really well. Terrence Mann came out, hit, I think, his first three buckets. Marcus Morris didn't have a great game, but Reggie, Luke, everybody else. Zub had played really well. Thank you, Los Angeles Lakers, and Mike Muscala for that trade that we we got. Zub was turning into a pretty damn good center. But it's funny, too. 
I always go back on our Instagram page and look about, look at what we posted last year. I like posting our memories, like fun clips of like what we were talking about or what was going on in basketball. And it was from our episode, episode like 167, 177. And it was called panic time, right? And it was about the Lakers and then all this other stuff going on. So I'm not necessarily sure it's panic time right now. I think these guys have just literally given up. They've lost, the, I think, seven in a row right now or seven out of ten. Maybe not seven in a row. I think it's seven out of ten right now. But it's got to be frustrating as a Laker fan, Drew. Yeah, well, so it's uh, we've lost four in a row mm-hmm. and we're two of our last ten wins. Like, so we're two and eight in the last ten games. Mm-hmm. Um, in reference to this game in particular, um, the Clippers were the better team. And that was, I mean, the, the first half was pretty chippy. Right. It was only a three point difference. There was a lead there and the and Lakers kind of clawed back a little bit um, to make it just a three point game going into halftime. And then I just I remember last night there was a moment right before the third quarter started where you looked over at me. We're, we're, we're at your house. You looked over at me and you're like, this is where this is where we suck. And, and you were referring to the third quarter. And I kind of chuckled because I'm like, you have no idea what what a third quarter from the Lakers can, can look like. And I think I said to you out loud, I was like, the Lakers said after that, the Lakers said, hold my beer. Right. Because that was one of the worst third quarters. This is going back to even the first month of the season where we were like almost historically the worst NBA team in the third quarter ever. Uh, And in this quarter, that's where, that's where the game just got completely out of hand. Um, And Reggie Jackson was amazing last night. So this is not a surprise. This is like par for the course. The Lakers are are going to look like this, I think, until the end of the season. And I think the only thing that like we're in a weird spot because we are in the nine seed and we seem relatively comfortable there, even though we're continue to lose games. We're getting closer to the Blazers below us. But the gap now between eight where the where the uh, the Clippers sit and nine where we sit is pretty significant. And I don't what see is it. Us- what is it? Three games? We are five and a half games back from the eight seed on the Clippers. Clippers are eight seed right now, 34 and 31, and we are the 19, 27 and 35. And the seven seed is relatively close. I think it's one game, right? Yeah, you guys are only one game behind Minnesota, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it looks like Minnesota and the Clippers and everyone above are pretty secure in those spots. Like they'll be somewhere in that eight seed. Like no one's going to drop out of that, in my opinion, and reach where the Lakers are in the nine. So like, our best case scenario at this point for this season is that we remain the nine seed. Right. Which is slightly different than how we thought this might go, obviously, the beginning of the year. There is a very good chance, as I mentioned, and I thought it was Portland. It's actually the Pelicans. We're only one game up on the Pelicans and and two games up on the Blazers to drop completely out of the play-in. And so that's a real scenario now for us where if we're going to bring that type of effort that we brought in that second half, um, against a, a team that we should actually kind of care about, right? A team that has beaten us three times in a row leading up to this game. That, that We should really try to win that game. And we saw no fight whatsoever uh, in that second half. That's what worries me. But then again, I don't know what's better for us at this stage. What would you want? Right. What would you do want I right want, now? Do I want to be in the play-in? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to make, you know, kind of bow out and just say, fuck it, and like let's everybody get some rest? I mean, I suppose the good news is even if we're in the play-in, 
I guess there's a chance we could make it out of the plan, but I honestly think the way that we've been playing, even if we make the nine or the 10 seed, I don't necessarily expect us to get out of there now. So it could be relatively short and it doesn't really matter. But the one thing I don't want to happen in this remaining 20 games or whatever we have now is for LeBron to have like a catastrophic injury. By the way, Anthony Davis is now how he has a foot fracture, apparently. Is that what it is? I didn't see that. Another five, four to five weeks added on to the first two weeks. So he's not going to be back this year. And I think we're really close to probably shutting it down. They should, so, right? They should right now. Shut that's what I'm saying. I, I really do think like it, it, unless LeBron really is thinking that he might still somehow win MVP or some shit, which is not going to happen. But if he's still gunning for something like that, then he probably won't let us rest him. But my hope is that what we don't do is have LeBron playing all these minutes. He's still playing quite well, by the way. Though. Great. The only, pretty much the only guy that played very, I'm mean, Wayne Ellington had a great game <laughs> wow. yeah, last night against the Clippers. I'm not joking. Uh, it right. was good. It was good from Wayne. Um, <laughs> but it's like, what, what are we working towards? And as he gets older, we need less miles on his body. If we're going to make something happen in the next year or two before the, his contract runs out. So I think now we're having a very real conversation as to like whether or not that should happen. And hopefully LeBron, you know, allows us to take him off the court or at least put him on somewhat like no more than 30 minutes a night because we don't need him out there for 30 minutes a night. If we're going to be just be a nine seed and probably not even make it to the plan. And, and by the way, if we do this, like I'm asking, put him on a men's restriction, we probably still will end up in the nine or the 10 and he'll got, he'll have a shot. He'll have his chance. Uh, you know, at making some crazy run like he like he assumes and continues to say to the media that he still thinks that we all have a chance at winning a title. So I think that's the easiest way for me to move forward. I hope we don't end up with another injury to LeBron James. And my hope is that he sits so that we don't have that happen. That's really where I'm at now, Clips. I, that's all I look. I don't I mean, it's very difficult for me to watch Laker games. I think I've texted you multiple times, like how torturous this is for me to turn on some of these games and watch this. Uh, and that third quarter is the exact epitome of what I'm talking about. Well, if if that fact is true that, that AD has a fracture in his foot, they should shut him down for the season. And there is no chance of winning a title without AD, without a healthy AD. There's no shot whatsoever. And then there's all this talk now where Russell now wants to be traded at the end of the year, right? He wants Good. out of here. Right. But then what is Russell's value right now? It's probably nothing too high. What can you get back for Russell? I'm not too sure. Um do you think it's that fair? I'd end up being some sort of buyout, to be honest with you. Like, that might be the only way forward. Or stretch him out. Like, you do the Luau Dang thing. Like, Luau's getting off the books finally this season. But <laughs> I how think do you... it was last year. <laughs> I think, no, I think, I think it's this. This is the last season. If I, I could funny. be, I could be wrong, but you, what do you, how do you stretch out 30 mil, right? right. Or whatever it is, 35 million, 40 million, whatever he's got. Um, do you think it's fair that? Laker fans are booing these guys on the court. Because, look, at the end of the day, the last person you should be booing is LeBron. LeBron's exactly. doing everything he possibly can. And you saw him jawing with, you know, the fans the other night. And uh, I saw a quote, which I found kind of funny, because LeBron was on the shop, his show, or whatever it's called. Yeah. And he's quoted as, as saying, you can't really give a fuck what people say no more. Everybody going to fucking critique everything you do, no matter what you do. They will creep into your mind, no matter if you believe it or not. So he's saying that. But in actuality, you're you're bantering back to these fans saying, well, you, you know, what do you, you don't even know more. About, you don't know anything about basketball except putting it into the hoop. Are you getting that frustrated that you're actually caring what these people have to say? 
and getting booed. Do you think it's fair for the Laker fans to be booing? No, not booing LeBron. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also don't know um, what the Laker fans are supposed to do when they're watching some of this type of basketball. So booing in general, of course, you're a fan. You paid good money for those tickets, probably more money than you should have given the talent of this Lakers team. Uh, And so you have the right to boo. I don't think it should be directed at LeBron because I do believe his play this year. We, I don't, what else could we ask for LeBron to do uh, on the court? Really? I mean, yes, we can nitpick about some of his defensive, you know, plays off that he takes at times, but I don't, I don't, who cares? Everybody takes a playoff or two. Um, I mean, most, most NBA players take (laughs) a playoff or two on the defensive end. So I'm not going to sit here and say, that's why we would boo him. And the boos came after a really tough pass that he tried to make, all the way along the baseline, <laughs> and he ended up throwing out of bounds, right? So Wait, man. Look, a bad pass. In late, ask DeAndre Jordan what a bad pass could do for your career, right? <laughs> DJ finally gets into a game, throws the worst outlet pass of all time. I think it's because he's rusty, right? Ain't been in the game in a, in a, in a while. Mm-hmm. Throws it to the four, the fifth row behind the backboard. Next day, he's cut, right? It, yeah. it might it might be a blessing for him because now he's on Philly, which is, which is great for him. I, I mean, he might have a shot at winning a chip this year because of it. But I don't think they should be booing either. And I just think LeBron is so frustrated and Russell is so tired. He's Russell hates doing interviews as it is. And it's even harder when you're losing and you're getting critiqued. And you could tell it bugs them. I know it bugs them. And it, mm-hmm. he's, he's right. Look, it is just basketball at the end of the day. I have a beautiful wife and three kids to go home to. You're damn right, bro. At the end of the day, this really doesn't mean much. But, you know you are a professional basketball player. You are a former MVP. You have to be held responsible for, for some of this stuff that's going down. You have to be obvious, you know, it has to be obvious to you that what you're doing isn't enough and you're not playing like you used to play. So, or like we're used to seeing you play. Um, So I'm just not big on on the booing, but I, again, we're spending so much time talking about how bad the Lakers are instead of talking about how cool this and how good this Clipper team is, how well coached we are from front office down, you know, people hated the, the Luke, the Luke Kennard, $64 million. They hated the 64 that we gave Marcus Morris. And these are the guys that are really just the backbone of our team right now. And the conversation you and I had last night was, I think they're going to be so scary next season. There is something in my, in my head that just thinks that everything is so quiet on the Clipper front, quiet as usual, <laughs> that I think Paul George might be coming back. Kawhi might surprise some people and come back for this playoff run, which would be awesome. But if not, um, you know, I just think we should talk about a little more, not us in general, because we talk about it all the time, but the Clipper team needs to be talked about more. The draft picks, Amir Coffey's turning into this really great, really good player. Not great yet. Terrence Mann is doing all the things that, you know, uh, we, we, we saw in him and believe in him. Zubak is finally doing some things. He had two great games against Houston last week. Career highs. I'm noticing things uh, that he's changing as far as, you know, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, keeping it high. He was, he was really bad at keeping it high, right? Getting that board and going in for the stuff his defense right now going straight up and blocking shots. I'm just really proud of this squad. And I've said this before. I'm not, I don't want to repeat myself, but if we get into this play in tournament and we have a chance with this current squad, no PG, no Kawhi, whatever, no norm. Again, we, uh, we don't bring that up. Um, we have a shot at, at, at least having an exciting, you know, play in experience, depending on, you know, whoever we play against. So I, do you have anything else to say about the Lakers? Uh, no, about the Lakers, no. I, okay. I, I think the Clippers, you're right, though. 
it's all about this like looming return of these two stars. We know that Norm Powell is going to be done, right? And to me, this is the kind of year where things have kind of gone pretty bad, right? Paul George could have stayed healthy. He has this weird elbow thing. Norman Powell, you get there, he starts playing really good, goes down with a broken foot. Like, to me, this seems like it's just, it should be a wait and see situation. And I, and I, and I mean that in the sense that the Clippers right now, the way that they're playing with this team, are good enough to maintain that eight seed and, and potentially creep up to the seven or the six, what have you. And I think it would be fun for them to just go through the rest of the season. I think you should leave it alone. Yeah, I'd be you, fine with that. Yeah, I do. I mean, and then and then look at the reload that you'll have, the opportunities that you'll have in free agency to kind of pick and choose a couple other players to round out that starting five and the, and the bench. I think it. I think that's the more exciting part of the of of the Clippers is like what they could look like next year, and that's all I want to. I mean, I yeah. still think that there, if there is a chance that Paul George and Kawhi are ready, that's fine. I almost wouldn't risk it yeah that makes sense that makes total sense and the conversation we had last night was like if our biggest problem is having a two stack team next season then that's a good problem to have it's better to have way more players um than not having enough players or enough shooters enough rebounders enough defensive guys so it's a good problem to have moving forward we have to talk about the guy that everybody wants to talk about, the jaw dropper, jaw Moran is going and and the Grizzlies and they are just going on. Jaw is doing things that we haven't seen before, uh, especially from a guy that's you know 174 pounds soaking wet. Uh, listen to listen to the company that he's in right now, Drew. Highest scoring average in the age of 22, right since 76, 77. This is the company he's in. Shaq at 22 averaged 29.3. Mello at 22, 29 points a game. Kobe at 22, 28.5 points. KD at 22, 27.7. And then Ja Morant is at 27.6. One-tenth of a point away from what KD was doing. And it's not just the points. It's how he's getting these points. It seems like every single night we're seeing something from Ja that – like our boy Basketball Jones made the sticker of, is jaw-dropping, right? We're seeing things in the air that this guy's doing that you, we haven't seen in a long time. And I understand the comparisons to Russell and to Derrick Rose, the explosiveness, and now he's actually got kind of a jumper now. Um, but he is a little tiny. I'm, you know, If anybody saw what Colin Coward was saying the other day, which I thought he had reason to say, he's a little scared for jaw the way that he plays i mean we saw this hip injury the other night where i'm thinking oh shit he's gonna need an mri tomorrow that might be a wrap for this for this season and the next thing you know he's coming out and dropping 50 right and if you guys didn't know this that buzzer beater that he had the other night is the most downloaded most viewed not downloaded the most viewed instagram video of all time 42 million views is jaw morant as the number one viewed video on Instagram, not Kim Kardashian, not Kanye, not Barack Obama, not uh, what's my what's my not Hasbula, whatever his name is that everybody loves. It's Ja freaking Morant, man. And as great as Ja is, it's the squad too, man. These guys are buying into it. They really are. Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, they haven't even had Dylan Brooks for a little while. These guys give zero fucks who they're playing against, and. They could really surprise some people. I said, I, I think I said a couple pods ago, they could win the championship in the next few years. They might surprise people this year, right? 
who knows with injuries and we don't know what's happening with Brooklyn and we'll talk about Philly here in a minute, but what's your take on, on jaw and this squad? Jaw's 50 point performance against San Antonio was one of the best games of the season. I think maybe, maybe the best individual performance of the entire NBA season thus far out of any player. That was phenomenal. And it was more than that because it wasn't just like he was getting 50 and the Spurs weren't paying attention or they didn't care. They were throwing doubles at him constantly, and he was still doing everything on the court. Uh, and uh, really, when you look at the box score in that particular game, he was the difference maker. There was no other <laughs> player that was really doing much. I don't even know if another player scored 20 points in that game for the Grizzlies. But to your point, the team in the month of February, February only lost two games. They did, unfortunately, lose last night against Boston in a very, very good game from my perspective, Jaw still almost had 40 points. Uh, but this Memphis team is for real. And, and I do think this is the kind of team that could very easily take advantage of scenarios that can arise, like Chris Paul breaking his thumb, like Draymond Green being unsure about his return. Like this is the team that I do think could really vault into the two seed as we get closer and closer to the playoffs and then could be looking at really home court advantage for the first two rounds, which is ginormous, especially with the, the fan base that we know is a very loyal fan base in Memphis as well. John Morant is very special. I don't have any other word to describe him. Like, and I just keep thinking it makes me every time I watch him doing this stuff, it makes me think about like the Pelicans drafting Zion and, and, and he's still nowhere to be seen. It's just crazy because they're so linked in my brain. Because they were just so, like, it was definitely Zion for sure. But this John Morant kid was unbelievable. And he's just, he's doing things um, that I can't, I, I, I want to watch every second. I want to watch every second of the Memphis games. I want more of them on national television games. Uh, it's amazing to me that, that they are doing, that he is doing what he's doing. But they as a group are achieving this so quickly. Um, because he's really taken a leap, man. I just, I don't know what else to say other than, He's like a video game in real life. It, it, this is like a creative player. When he goes out there and he does what he does, it doesn't feel like he's a, a real human being. He just plays basketball, I think, the way that all of us would love to play the game. Just running, jumping, doing whatever he wants. And it is so much fun to watch. So I just, yeah, hats off to them. I don't, I don't see them slowing down, even though they, they did lose to Boston. Boston has been arguably the best defensive team in the NBA since so weird. The numbers the new year. Right. Uh, which is, which is crazy and, and, and hats off to them. Uh, but I do think in that game, particularly the Celtics are proven that we should be talking about them a little bit more. We haven't talked about them that, that often this I know. season because they were really underwhelming the beginning mm -hmm. of the year. They were, and they're really, really starting to hit stride right now. So uh, hats off to the Grizzlies, of course. But maybe the Celtics could be somebody that has these top-tier Eastern Conference teams looking over their shoulder a little bit. Well, maybe we'll get into Boston next week, but they're not on our they're not on our call sheet today. You know, you said something a couple minutes ago about you you wish you could see more of Jaw on national TV. And our boy Cheney in Denver, who's the big Denver Nuggets fan, had commented on our page saying that same thing. He's like, "Look, I would I want to see more Jaw. I want to see more." Uh, Anthony Edwards I want to see more Luca like why do we have to see the Lakers every single night and the Golden State Warriors every single night like I under we understand you know um that they're the box office guys but shit I want to see Ja man 
That's what I want to see. And more LaMelo. Can LaMelo get a freaking a, a nationally televised game? Can we get a TNT game? Why do we have to have League Pass to see all these great, young, fun, exciting teams, right? So I, I would like to see that. And uh, everything you just said about Ja is true. I think Colin Coward had some validity to what he's saying, though. At the pace that this guy plays and him not being extremely strong, like a D Rose or a Westbrook, like this might turn into some injuries. And the fact that you try to literally bash on everybody, dog, like you're going at everybody. So uh, I think, A, they have a really bright future. And if they can keep that squad together, I just think they're all on the same page. I think they're well coached. And I think they're another one of these teams that just have everything that they need, even the Steven Adams thing, right? Like that's such an, a great dude to have. And you even brought up like, his, his outlet passes the other night. Like, this guy is spot on and perfect for a fast-paced team, right? Yeah, I, I, I did. I was very confused why they wanted to let go of Valanciunas, and I think it was more contractual and, and money stuff as the reason why they got rid of Jonas Valanciunas because he's doing great in New Orleans, and I think he would have done quite well on this, on this uh, Grizzlies team as well. Uh, but the way that Steven Adams is able to play – and not really give a shit about taking any shots. He like does not care. He doesn't care at all. He just wants to set screens, give me the rebounds, and then I'll let me make full court passes, like like a very casual quarterback, full full length of the court to Ja Morant on a rope, uh, <laughs> which is how Ja was able to get that shot off the buzzer beater to to cap it off and get fifty two points. Um, Stephen Adams' role is very important for the team. And I do think it's weird, like like you said, they've had injuries. Dylan Brooks being one who hasn't played for weeks now, and and I don't, there hasn't been word about when he'll get back. Uh, but you know, Zaire Williams stepping up, the rookie for them, is stepping up tremendously. Even though in one of those games he had zero points in like twenty seven minutes, which is not great. Uh, but Stephen Adams' importance to the team, I think, is paramount. Like outside of Ja Morant, obviously <laughs> very important. Uh, you know, I think arguably Steven Adams might be the, the second most important player on the team. You would argue potentially Desmond Bain because of his versatility uh, and his scoring ability. But I do think the, that the reason that the, the Memphis Grizzlies are able to complete defensive plays is entirely based on the fact that Steven Adams is just gobbling up every rebound. And the reason that their offense flows so well is because he's so selfless and is willing to set the screens and just do the dirty work every single time down the court. Uh, so his importance is is has been surprisingly impactful, especially based on what I thought they were doing at the beginning of the off, of the season with this trade. I didn't ex I didn't understand it, but it's all coming to light now. Yeah, he's a perfect f fit for him. That's a, the the perfect guy for them to play that role. Um, the honeymoon in Philly right now, James. Oh, yeah. James, I, for what for, it's it's shocking. I mean, he dropped twenty five pounds over the weekend. Oh my god! Again, he's just a he's just a a, a cut professional basketball player now i, I don't need to know, know the diet i got a I, I got a wedding coming up i need to know what his secret is so i can do the the two-week cut like james harden he, he should he should market it because people would buy it harden juice it's just, whatever what are you doing are you just doing bone broth for over the weekend some some tahine and orange juice like what the hell is it james? i have no idea man but yeah. hey look they're three and oh in their first three games and i got to watch two of them it seems like Embiid and him are clicking uh, on all angles. And then, like, Maxi had a huge game. I guess the big three is Maxi, Embiid, and Harden. And, look, when I was watching the game the other night, I'm like, 
damn, if they once they get their rhythm down on this screen and roll, it's going to be nasty, right? Like, it's going to be crazy. And then the other thing I was thinking about, I'm like, damn, these guys get to the line more than anybody. Are Philly games going to be seriously seven hours long? Is that what is that what they're going to be? Because these guys go to the line so much. But just having those two on the court opens up for so many other players. This is why Maxi's going to be eating. This is why Toby should be eating, right? Thibel should be eating. Uh, because the double team comes for Embiid or the double team comes for Harden. And he, he's, you know, I think he's leading the league in assists, 10 a game, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I think he, I think he's the guy leading the league and he should lead the league in assists. He's going to have so many people wide open, knocking down shots for him. This might work, Drew. The honeymoon is sweet and it's working. So what do you, what do you, what is your take so far on the 76ers? Is Doc going to screw this up somehow at some point? Just a clerical error. Chris Paul is still leading the league. Okay. In assists, ten point seven assists. What's, what's Harden? Ten point three. So okay. It's, it's not far away, and I would expect, expect with Chris Paul out that Harden might actually leapfrog him and get get up a little bit higher here, especially with how good he's looked. This has been the surprise for me is how quickly they have looked like good. It was like immediately, and mostly how I'm so uh, befuddled by how James Harden can look one certain way in in brooklyn and then whatever i mean two to three weeks maybe most at the most two to three weeks look like a completely different guy look like a a whole different dude and so the shapeshifter james harden i I mean that has to be in his uh basketball reference nicknames at this point the shapeshifter Uh, i just don't understand he looked so in such better shape, especially against that New York Knicks team, like at the free throw line, you could see his shoulders like he was more vascular. Shout out to uh, Midwest Max, a.k.a. the gambler, the gambler. I, I just think I thought for sure it was going to take a, a couple games. Right. Not not that they would look bad or lose or get blown out, but it would it wouldn't look so smooth right from the get go. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, Harden really seems to enjoy playing with Embiid. And Embiid seems to really value what Harden has brought to this team. And I didn't know if that was going to happen right from the right from the jump. And I was wrong. They are great. <laughs> and James Harden is just giving uh, everybody problems on that pick and roll with, with Embiid. It's literally it's like, you know, something that it reminded me of was and something that they that they frequently use uh, is that pick and roll. It reminded me of Utah. And I think I mentioned this to you last night, like the Embiid Harden pick and roll is what Utah was like looking at, hopefully potentially having the go bear Mitchell pick and roll be, they go to it all the time. And I think that's what we're looking at is we're looking at a very efficient pick and roll with more skilled players at the, at the ball handler and at the screener position. So it's, it's so much fun to watch them just do this. And James Harden is being relatively liberal with getting the ball out of his hands. He's not holding it a lot. He is getting open shots. He's getting to the rim because of the effectiveness of the pick and roll. They are the real deal, bro. And I don't know how long Miami can keep holding this number one spot in the East because this, this Philly team is not going to be slowing down anytime soon. And I, uh, I fear for every other team in, in, in the Eastern Conference. I think they might have what it takes to, to get to the finals and potentially win a championship after what I've seen only in three games, but it's been that impressive. Yeah, I, I totally agree. They, this isn't Houston, James Harden, right at all. This isn't hold the rock and, and, you know, dribble, 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 step back three, this guy's, I, I, I mean, to average 10 assists a game, you have to be doing something right. Right. And I'm repeating myself, but 
everybody on that squad should be able to eat with Harden there. You should be getting it's and I don't mean to go back to the Clippers, but like when PG and Kawhi are in the game and you have to double, like that's why we shot forty five percent from three last year because you're getting a lot of open looks because everybody's so focused on those two players. You have to have focus on Joel Embiid, the in my opinion the MVP this year, uh, and the way Harden plays on this squad is just really exciting, and I think playing with these exciting players like Maxi and having, you know, the defensive backing of Embiid and Thibel that, that are like holding down your defensive anchor and whatnot. They're scary, Drew. They're really scary. And, and I want to see where they're going to be in another 10 games where they actually get this rhythm down. They might be like the, the 2.0 Stockton and Malone. I agree. I think the, the, the weird part for me is like the odd man out for them right now is Tobias Harris, yes, who is the third highest paid player on this team and really should be taking advantage of what's happening. So I think that piece, that integration for him, if he can start hitting stride with what's happening here and then start shooting better, quite frankly, yes, uh, that that will be a, a an additional piece that will make them even more formidable because Harris is a very good basketball player. It just, sometimes he's, he, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, he just a little bit sh- falls a little bit short of what we think he can accomplish. I think he's times. still averaging 18, a game, 18 a game though. And it sounds to me, Drew, that that's a doc problem, right? That's a doc problem. How do we get more looks for, for Toby, right? Or how are we going to do the substitution? So Toby can get more looks. Like if James is out, Toby should be the guy that's, that's getting the shots, right? Yeah, and I mean, in, in, but so in the three games that Harden has been there, he's gotten six points, 12 points, 14 points. So mm. there's a ramp up. It's mm. ramping up. And in those games, he played 30, 35, and 29 minutes. So it's not like he's not, not out there. I think that's the thing. Where I thought potentially it would be Embiid and Harden that would be adjusting. It seems like Tobias is the one that's trying to just kind of, well, okay, let me find my spots. Where can I get my shots? Where can I get my looks? Uh, and potentially some of that's going to be coming in transition for him where he just needs to get out and run more. Uh, when they get these these uh, these long rebounds, for instance, on the defensive end. But I do think that if they're going to do what we think they can do, Tobias will have to be a large part of this. Like, he's going to have to step up. And I think the good news is that Tyrese Maxey is playing still amazing. Like you said, he's playing so good for that team. Uh, and so even though Harris is not necessarily where we think or we expect he should be from an offensive like efficiency standpoint, Maxi's con- contributions and Harris is still pretty stout as a defender and he's big and he's he can rebound and all that stuff so even though offensively he's not there everybody else seems to be picking it up including yes. the rest of the team uh so I think if everyone really clicks and that's that's the nice part for them is they, they have these next two months to just drill down and, and get to you know know the habits of James Harden more and more and then as soon as as uh, Tobias figure, figures it out he'll be able to know when he should back cut and James Harden will dime him for a wide-open layup, and when he should fade to the corner so that James can kick it to him because his man is going to collapse on the drive. Like, all of that will work out in time, and I I, I think they're going to be pretty impressive, man. I got to be honest with you. And the fact that they didn't have to give up Thibel is tremendous. Huge. Now they have their backup center with DeAndre Jordan. You know, Daryl Morey, you know, stroke of genius, man. Yeah, I, you know, back to what you said, though. Like, maybe Maxi is the third guy. Like, Toby might be the third highest paid player on the squad, but maybe Maxi is that guy. Maxi should be looked at and considered for the most improved player this year. And you get most improved player because you get more reps and you, like, he's been able to start a lot of games, but that I, I forgot who it was who against the Knicks. It was like Maxi 27, Harden 26. And, 
and and Embiid 29. Like if you're getting that from your mm-hmm. one, two, and five, you know, you might not need Toby. We needed Toby on the Clippers to put up 23, 24 a game for us. Right. But if if I think in this situation, if Toby can give you 15 to 17 points a night, that's all you really need from him. Cause I'm not too sure how their bench is going to really work out, right? They got to figure that out too. They don't have the most solid bench in the NBA. But if you, you know, Harden's going to be playing 35 minutes and Embiid's going to be playing 32 minutes, you know, it, but Maxie's got the fresh legs that can play all game. So mm-hmm. he's a big improvement, man. Really big improvement for them. And, uh, you know, JJ, JJ did the color commentary for that game and I thought he was great, brilliant. <clears throat> I think like we said about Draymond, like this is his calling. He's going to be very good at it. And he told a story about Embiid was in on his free agency pitch when Philly wanted JJ there. And like, it was a, it was a midnight meeting or something like that. And Embiid was there and he was very uh, shocked that Embiid was there. And Embiid was like, what's up, JJ? Thought I'd come 12.02 in the morning and uh, you should come play in Philly. Um <laughs> Got a lot. People like my Embiid impersonation. I don't know. Maybe it needs a little bit of work. Um, but he did leave that meeting saying, wow, that's a really smart guy. So I don't think like we we all think that there's whatever superstars on your team, that there's always going to be like this this clashing, like one superstar goes with another superstar. No, there's not enough balls. No, Embiid is smart and realizes I have one of the best players in the NBA on my team. He's just going to make my life a lot easier. How is this going to work? We saw it in the first practice where all he was doing was picking James's head on how do you do this step back? I want to get more on my back. That's how you get good and chemistry, right? So like you said, they are very scary. I would still like to see what's going to happen with freaking Ben Simmons. Now he has a back issue, right? And people get, for whatever reason, he's got, got this back issue, had the whole season off. And a couple people have been hitting me up like, you know, is Ben going to play this season? I say, yeah, he'll play after March 10th. Watch. Yep. The, the back injury will be no more uh, after March 10th. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, I think I feel great. I'll start playing now. That dude will not play in Philly. That's the first and foremost what's going to happen. You agree or no? Oh, 100%. Yes. Yes. He's not going to be playing. His back will miraculously heal itself uh, uh, when they when they have to go to their next game or maybe the game after that. Uh, but yes, this is all about him having to avoid going back to Philadelphia and playing in Philly. The Nets schedule, they just lost to Miami with Kevin Durant uh, returning for his first game in several weeks. I think it's been seven, seven or eight weeks since he played last. Uh, they have Boston, as we just touched on, is on a heater right now. So that's not going to be an easy game for the Nets. Uh, then they get Charlotte, and then it's Philly. And then the next game is in Madison Square Garden. So I don't know if Ben Simmons will be necessarily up and prepped and the back will be ready for that one because that will probably be on national television, we would expect. Uh, but then there's a game at Orlando, March 15th. Good, good time to start. I think that's when I, that's probably the timeline for Ben Simmons is back to roughly, roughly 14, two weeks. I mean, we're March, what are we, March 1st or 2nd right now? Fourth. About two weeks, he'll be, he'll be perfect. Uh, that's definitely the expectation there. Uh, but Kevin Durant is back, right. and that's a huge step in the right direction for the Nets. Um, and they do have a bit of an away schedule here. All those games that I mentioned, Boston, Charlotte, uh, Philly, all away games. So that means Kyrie should be able to play for every single one of those. So we should get some fun Nets performances, even though they did lose last night against Miami. Uh, Miami's fantastic. They're the number one seed in the East, and they're a very tough team to play against and to beat. Uh, but there should be at least in the next three games, 
KD and Kyrie on the court, which would be fun. And I'll be looking forward to watching them play. And it's, it's odd. I think home games now, like Kyrie could be on the bench, but he can't play. I'm like, mm-hmm. this makes, this is getting so weird now, right? Yeah. Everything's getting so weird. So I, so I know we're praising Philly. I still want to see how this Ben Simmons things looks. Cause that could be just as scary if they can figure it out. And I think we are both spot on on the back injury, although we are not doctors, just the way this whole thing has played out all season. I do see him playing against Orlando. What a great, I wish Orlando was better too. Can Orlando just be better? They're fun to watch. I think Orlando's not that bad to, as for like as far from a watching perspective. As long as they're they're in it, right? If it's if it's a blowout, then they're not great to watch. But Clips, here's the fun part, right? We're talking about Ben Simmons' unwillingness to play in Philadelphia right now. The the the, the Brooklyn Nets are in the eight seed, and they're they're three games behind. You might not be playing in the playoffs, guys, if you don't pull it together. Well, hold on. We assume that they'll get out of the play-in because we assume by that point, Ben, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, all playing and all on the court, regardless of where their location is. Uh, But the interesting thing is Philly is only two and a half games out of the first seed. So one and eight you're talking about. We could get a one eight or or two seven clips where it's Brooklyn – and Philly in the first round. And I got to tell you something, man. I, I, this rivals with how much I want to see a Lakers Clippers series. I want desperately to see a first round Brooklyn Philly series. Let's, can the basketball gods allow it to happen? Benjamin, poor Benjamin. Be, dude. I know. What and, are we and right now, it's looking like that's, that's a very real circumstance <sighs> that we could end up with. Bro, my heart just dropped thinking about that. This poor <laughs> kid, dude. This might that might not be good at or look, you look at Redemption. it from a, yes, right? And just have the Nick have the 76ers so you know you 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 ball them up, you handle threes, hit three threes, <laughs> and then look at the bench and just be like, you know, give them the dagger, the arrow, give them that one, shoot it into the crowd. He has no three-point celebrations clips because he's, he's never hit them, so he doesn't have any three-point celebrations. Left. That's very true. But look, sometimes you have to embrace the villain, right? Yes. We saw Trey Young do it last year. You're fine with it. Be the fucking villain, right? I don't think it's in his DNA to be that guy, but just do it. And wow, Drew, wow. If that ends up happening. That's what I want. That, more uh, than anything this season, I would. that's what I would like. More than anything. <laughs> I, I, well, trust me, Drew, the way we're playing, I would love to see the Lakers, too, in a play-in. Give us oh, the Oh, yeah, Lakers so would everybody team. else. Like, everybody else is like, cool, let's hey, bring those Lakers in. Hey, I know you have some things to do, So, and we're going to get to final thoughts right after this. I wanted to give some props, though, really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as bad, we, we had very high expectations for the Knicks this year. Uh, we all did, right? And it's just been crumbling down. And I watched the Knicks game the other day, and – what I saw was a complete lack of offensive plays whatsoever for such a great coach and Tibbs. All I kept seeing was a wild ass Julius Randle just doing dribbling and going behind the back and just forcing shots up. It was ugly, right? And D Rose is done for the season. Kemba Walker, they're just sitting out. That's done for the season. They pretty much called in the season, but there is one bright spot. And I want to give a shout out to our diehard Knicks fan podcast. Because I know he listens to the show, and I just want to give props to R.J. Barrett, all right? In the month of February, the, the kid averaged 28 points a game. I've really liked watching him play. Uh, his shot is getting so much better. I know he worked on it a lot in the offseason. But 
his game has has just evolved a lot. And so I had a question. Everybody thinks Julius Randle and, and, and RJ's in the same draft as Zion as well, correct? Yeah, number three. Another guy that is just thriving right now. Um, it had me think, is Julius Randle the franchise guy or is <laughs> RJ the guy that might snatch that away from him because of the way that he's playing? What do you think? Well, RJ will definitely be there longer right. because of the structure of rookie deals. He should be there for seven years, even if he doesn't improve from where he is right now. And by the way, he has improved tremendously. Mm -hmm. uh, That month of February was fantastic. He scored 46 points the other night. I'm very happy to see this kid succeed. Same. He seems humble. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he took, you know, he was the number one high school recruit, and he took it on the chin pretty well when Zion was clearly head and shoulders better than he was at Duke. Uh, And I think he's worked his ass off under a rigorous head coach, he could have had a much easier entry point into the NBA. But maybe it's good for him to have the, a guy like him. I think I think there's there's definitely significant amount of examples that would say that you're right about that, that Tibbs was good for him because it made him focused on the shit that will make you a long-time NBA player, which is defense, defensive effort, and then working on your shooting, hitting open shots. If you can play defense and you can hit open shots and you're athletic like R.J. Barrett, you can be in the league for a very long time. And so the leaps and bounds that he took in the last really two months, um, and which is kind of counter to how the Knicks have been playing, which is the weird part, I think. The Knicks have not really improved while RJ has been really kind of taking off. Uh, he's definitely going to be there longer than Julius Randle. That's the truth of the matter. Like he should be there for at least seven years. And my guess is at the end of the seven years, they should offer him some sort of contract. And potentially by then he might make, he might creep up and crack into an all-star team or something along those lines, potentially by the end of that seven years. And then he might be eligible for a pretty big supermax. But I agree with the notion that he is probably the face of the Knicks moving forward. Right now, it's not him. It's Julius Randle. But the the question is, over time, and R.J. Barrett is definitely going to take the reins, Julius might not be there after next season or after this year. I mean, somebody might want to trade for him. And I do think the Knicks would have been open to trading him this year in particular, even though they just signed him to that long extension. No, I think, I think there'll be a market for Julius Randle. I don't no. think there was. And that's the, that, I think that's the reason they didn't trade him. I don't think there was a market for him this year, but maybe next year or moving forward. If he, if he gets back to a slightly more efficient level, like he was like, like he was at last year, I think the market would be wider. It's, it's just frustrating to me, and I'm not even a Knicks fan. So watching a Knicks game, it was just frustrating because I'm like, they have absolutely no offense unless I'm missing something. It's just, it's every man for himself. And if Julius has the ball, it's the black hole. There is no, there's no passes that are going to happen. He's going to the rack. And yes, he's very good at times, but a lot of the stuff look for. So I would like to know what a Knicks fan thinks about this. Now, I think Julius is trying to gun for those ex- incentives that they okay. have in that contract. He's probably got a couple incentives that he needs to hit X amount of threes or he needs to I shoot need 25 points a game yes right? whatever it is he's trying to make sure that check is coming in at the level that they promised him on paper that makes sense um i know you have to get the dog for the walk i know kona's getting erratic right now and you got to take her but i want for final thought you and i both had the same final thought that we wanted to talk about it i think you would say it much better than myself right, right. now um but i want you to give your final thought on what's happening this weekend yeah so this is this is my favorite time of year. You love All-Star Weekend. I love the month of March in the same way, right? Because it, it, it just my, it's college basketball is really just, just popping off right now. My Arizona Wildcats are about to be a number one seed overall in the tournament. 
and I could bear not down. be more excited. Fucking bear down. Let's go. But as I mentioned, I don't know, several months ago, this is Coach K's last season. And this particular Saturday upcoming is his last game, regular season. Tomorrow. Game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, this coming Saturday, which is tomorrow, um, Coach K will have his last regular season game at Cameron Indoor Stadium against his ultimate rivals, North Carolina. And um, what a great way for the ACC to end it. He'll have obviously more games. It's not going to be the end of the career because the Duke team is quite good and could make a deep run this year. Uh, we've heard a lot about his freshman, Paolo Bancaro. Uh, so anyway, I will be 100% glued to my television during that game. Uh, Coach K is, is an unbelievable <laughs> basketball legend. Icon, dude. Icon. I, I don't know what else. I mean, the fact that if you said Coach K to most people on the planet, I feel like if they're aware of American sports at all, they'll know who you're talking about. And that means you don't have to say his last name because it's crazy. Coach Shashevsky. As, now, as if the, you ask anybody to spell it, it might be different. Oh, but no, we all know who Coach K, K is, yes. Can't do it. So it will be on at uh, on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Uh, Duke right now is the number four ranked team in the nation, and they took care of business pretty handily against the Tar Heels last time. I expect the entire Cameron Indoor Stadium to be, I don't know, crying, uh, weeping at the end, but certainly out, outlandishly loud and crazy for his last hurrah there. Uh, and it's weird, man. This is, I mean, part of the reason it was my final thought is because it's, it's a, it, we're entering into a very strange and unknown territory for me in my entire life where Coach K will not be the head coach of Duke basketball. Uh, so I hope the game goes well. I will be rooting for Duke in this game. I know a lot of people hate Duke and they love to root against them. So I'm sure there's several people that would love to see Coach K go out with a loss in this particular game. We know one. We know one. We know one Rummage. in particular. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, just tip of the cap. What a career, man. I don't know what else you can do. Uh, what a legend. I think icon is the right word for him. And, he, and everything he did for college basketball, the way he coached basketball, the way he approached his players, the amount of respect that his players have for him um, should set precedence to, you know, how coaching should be right. And not only college, but like USA basketball as well. What, what coach K meant to players that didn't even play for Duke, right? Like he had a big influence on Kobe and, you know, on a lot of these guys. And if he doesn't already have a statue there, right. Does he have a statue yet? Do we know? Oh man, I'm sure he's got something. I, I'm pretty but, sure the court, it's Coach K court and all right. that. Like, I think it's all, I, he, he should have a statue. I don't know. If he doesn't is. have a statue, he needs a statue. If he doesn't yeah. have the street name yet, give him the goddamn street name. He deserves all of that. Actually, that'd be a really long street name. This should just be Coach K Lane or something, right? Right. Um, K Street. I agree with you. It's been part of my whole life as well. Like there's one, there's constant things, right? Death, taxes, and and Shashevsky is the coach of Duke basketball. But we yeah. all know at some point it has to come to an end. I'm pretty sure all the former players will be there uh, for that game. Oh, I, I bet. I, yeah. I, I know I JJ said tickets. Well, that's the thing. The tickets right now are more expensive than the last five Super Bowl tickets to right. get into this to get into this game. And if that's the minimum price is like five grand for a ticket, which would be totally worth it. Yes. uh, If you had the bread and honestly, and if you can get in, (laughs) right. Well, bucket bucket list would be able to see a game there once in my life and not even caring about, I mean, I don't, again, I have no 
a preference for college teams at all. I don't have a team. I, I like players, but going to one of those home games would be something so epic and like religious, right? It would be just so yes. awesome to experience that. And everything you said is true, Drew. And I'll be watching the game. I think most uh, most people will be watching that game tomorrow. And I, I hope they win. I really do hope they win. I'll be rooting for the Blue Devils tomorrow. The Carolina's team is not what they uh, what they were in, in years past. They're not the juggernaut that we know them to be. Uh, Sorry, Duke Tim. Is, Duke, Duke is favored by 11 and a half. So, cool. Yeah, it should be, you know, if, if things go to plan, should be should be a comfortable, easy win for Coach K in his last hurrah on Cameron Indoor. All right. If you're, you know, we, we would appreciate it if you guys would drop a review or a, uh, a rate us because for whatever reason we lost some. Spotify now has, you can rate us uh, or review us. We would like to have more for whatever reason. We dropped a couple points um screenshot when you listen to the show we appreciate everybody that does that we're going to be back very shortly in case you did not know and i just wanted to remind drew clippers got in that ass last night uh-huh. we are four and oh on this season go ahead and throw out your championship banners no no the clippers should hang a banner when they we sweep should. the lakers that's there the closest that you'll get to a championship whoa there we go there it is there's the laker fan i was waiting for let me taste those tears drew let me taste those salty tears yep. and and uh, after you review and rate us, go ahead and watch an old old clip of 227 on YouTube. Go check out my girl Brenda, <laughs> my first crush. It's the follow through, y'all. Clips and Drew, we're ghost. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the follow through with Clips and Drew. What up, podcast? What up, what up, podcast? You know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the follow through.